Well, good morning. Thank you for taking communion with us this morning. And now please open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Today we continue from last week in a three to four week time in John 4, the woman at the well. Today we talk about worship, true worship, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit and in truth. We have just a little time today being Communion Sunday and the Vacation Bible School Parade float in the Bloomer Parade. So we'll get started right away. As soon as I get ready here and as soon as you're open to John chapter 4. Thank you. Let's read starting at verse 1 of chapter 4. For background and context. Without as many pauses as last week as we will be focusing on verses 16 to 26, especially verse 23 to 24. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. In verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him would never be thirsty again. The water that I will give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so, I, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. In verse 16, starting our section for today, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, 
I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Thank you for following along. Before we move forward, I'd like to draw your attention to the projector screens. This picture and write-up on church etiquette has a lot to say on worship. Allow me to read it to you. Number one, come, never miss church unless it is absolutely necessary. George Washington's pastor said of him, no company ever kept him from church. Now, I've been told recently that that's actually debatable, and some historians state that Washington did not attend church all that often, or maybe once a month, or maybe he traveled around. But the point remains, come, never miss church unless it is absolutely necessary. Two, come early. Rushing into church the last minute is not conductive to true worship. Three, come with your whole family. The church service is not a convention that a family should merely send a delegate. Four, take a place towards the front of the church. Leave the rear seats for those who may come late and for backsliders and mothers with children. Five, be devout. The church is not a theater or a place of amusement. You come to worship God, not to whisper, lounge, or sleep. God's house deserves our very utmost reverence and attention. Six, help strangers find and follow the service. If they have no books, share yours with them. Sing, join in the worship, don't just sit. Seven, always remember that strangers are the guests of the church members. Treat them with the same courtesy as you would if they should visit your home. Eight, give a good offering to God. God loveth a cheerful giver. Freely ye have received. Nine, never rush for the door after benediction as though the church were on fire. Speak and be spoken to, be congenial. Ten, finally, lastly, never stay away from church because the church is not perfect how lonesome you would feel in a perfect church. We need one another, don't we? These really are some great and convicting statements. But I'm also grateful to know that true worship is much more than these things. After all, John 4 here tells us that we worship God in spirit and truth. It's not all about outward performances. Although some of these are greatly important. Yes, some of these statements apply to how we worship, but other statements need a little bit more added. What matters most, though, is for us to see and understand that because of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and the Holy Spirit within us through our eternal salvation, we can worship God anywhere, anywhere. We can worship God anywhere. That is really what today is all about. Worshiping God with all you've got everywhere you go, wherever you find yourself out worship at, worship in spirit and truth. I found a great video this morning. I'd like to share it with you. Of some people who I feel are truly worshiping spirit and truth, not caring where they're at, not caring about their circumstances, not caring about how they sound. Although worship is not just about singing, but this is a great video. Let me share it with you. And it's just a trimmed piece of the video.
As I said, that's just a short clip. But I do believe we see a true worship experience here where these gentlemen, these prison inmates, they don't care about how they sing, what they're singing in, what their voice is like, that maybe some of them are a little bit off key or off in timing, or maybe the fact that um, everybody else is speaking over them in the background, still talking, not giving full attention. They're just worshiping. They're worshiping. Jaira, meaning the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Worshiping God with all you've got everywhere you go, wherever you find yourself at, that's what God wants from us. And what Jesus is explaining to this woman at the well was that an hour was coming. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and the empowering of the Spirit of God within us when true worship of the Father wouldn't involve a specific location or rituals or customs. In other words, through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, Jesus would radically transform what worship for God's people looks like. That time is here now. It has come. The time is now here where worship does not have to be on a mountain or in Jerusalem. True worship, worshiping in spirit and in truth instead is to have a passionate heart that is seeking an intimate relationship with the God who is spirit. Anywhere. And furthermore, to worship in truth is to worship him in a biblically accurate way. Through the one who is the truth, Jesus. God wants this type of worship from his children. God wants his children to worship him spiritually through Jesus Christ based on the truth he brings to our lives and the truth of his word. You see, true worship is a tremendously important subject. In fact, in Philippians 3.3, 3, the apostle Paul lists it as one of the three, three great distinctives of true belief. <clears throat> true believers glory in Christ Jesus. They put no confidence in the flesh and they worship by the Spirit of God. That's what Philippians 3, 3 shows us. Similarly, in the book of John, we see that there are three, three must. John 3, 7 says you must be born again. John 3, 14 says the Son of Man must be lifted up and John 4.24, that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. In regard to worship, one theologian, Karl Barth, once stated that Christian worship is the most momentous, most urgent, most glorious action that can take place in human life. Yes, worship, true worship, another said, it is the highest function in which our souls can be involved. The very highest. In our text here, John reveals that our Lord views this matter of worship as an utmost importance, and that is why he immediately answers a woman's questions, dispensing with irrelevant and going to the heart of the matter. He did not debate location, mountainside, or Jerusalem. Jesus simply declared that a time is coming when you worship the Father neither on this mountainside nor in Jerusalem. In other words, the question of the place of worship is no longer relevant. The real question, and this was the question Jesus answered, was, what does God require in worship? And we find the answer in verses 23 to 24. 
But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. This is what the Father wants. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We've already discussed this idea some. We've summarized it, but let's dig deeper. What does God require of us? Worship in spirit and in truth? What does this mean anyways? Let's start with discussing worshiping in truth, then we'll come back to the spirit. Truth means that we are to worship what is true about God. In other words, worshiping in truth occurs when we worship in accordance with what God has revealed about himself in and through his word and truth. That is true worship. In other words, true worship does not take place when we do not worship in accordance with what God has revealed about himself in his word. So, what we think about God is of great importance, and how we find out what to think about him should be found in his word of truth and is also important. I just said the same thing basically three different ways. I hope you heard me. We must be people of the word because the clearest revelation of God that we have is in his word. John would later record in John 17, 17, Jesus' words in his high priestly prayer saying, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word contains truths about God. So if we want to see truths about God, we don't look to the world. We look to his word. Look not to the world. Look to the word. Not only do we need to be people of the word, but we need to be people who think. Worship is not meant to be a mindless activity. We must use our minds. Worship includes mental interaction and further application regarding the, word, the truth about God. Mentally, one must think through the truth of who God is and how we should respond and how he should be worshipped. One commentator gives an idea that we need to develop the ability to hold contrasting truths about God and rightly apply these truths. What is meant by this? Well, on one hand, we must see him as the mighty, eternal, transcendent creator who holds the universe together, almighty. That Hebrews 1.3 describes him to be. But then on the other hand, we need also equally and at the same time be able to view him as Matthew 23.37 states, O Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, a caring and yet all-powerful Lord. We must see all we can see of God through his word if we are going to worship him in truth. To worship only one attribute of God and ignore others is not worshiping him in truth. In truth. Or at least this is not to worship him in the full truth. Worship is to include the total revelation of who God is. And when this happens, God is worshipped in truth. God is glorified and we are edified. God is pleased. Because to close this section, I will state that worshipping him in truth is to worship him in a way which honors his word. For his word is truth.
Next, we are to worship in spirit. Yes, God seeks those who worship in spirit. God is spirit, and so we must also worship in spirit. More than this, God cares about how we worship. He, God, is not only looking for those who worship him in the truth of who he is, but also in the very depths of their inner being in spirit. Not just physically, outwardly, but inwardly as well. In other words, authentic worship, true worship, real worship, it only happens when the very core of our being is employed in worshiping God. Some people judge their level of worship by the outward appearance. That's what the Samaritans would do, the Jewish would do. But no more. Outward appearances and performance may or may not be true worship. Spurgeon said, God does not regard our voices. He hears our hearts, and if our hearts do not sing, we have not sung at all. Sometimes we sing, but do not truly worship. Sometimes we sing, but our hearts truly are not there. Sometimes we pray with our lips, but worship does not take place. Sometimes we give, but are not truly worshiping. And sometimes we do none of these things, but find ourselves in our deepest worship. God cares about who we worship, but he also cares about how we worship. And worship is not necessarily music. Worship is not necessarily preaching. Worship also is not necessarily about a place. True and real worship is when our spirit passionately and intimately adores the Lord for who he is and by his truth and his, is refreshed in his presence. Outward circumstances cannot determine the authenticity of our worship or quality of worship. As one said, one could kneel in the most beautiful of cathedrals, listen to the most biblically concise and enthusiastic sermon, or sing with the most gifted worship teams and still not be truly worshiping. This is not to say that these externals are not at times helpful or great. What matters is the spirit and truth of which we find true worship in. The woman at the well was being told by Jesus that soon, very soon, the place, the rituals, traditions, and customs, all these things would not matter to worship. Jesus matters to worship. He would soon transform worship forever. Let's wrap this up with some conclusions or summary. The first thing is to know Christ as Lord. You cannot worship him fully without this intimate relationship with the Son. Accept the truth that Jesus is Lord and that we need a Savior. You need to receive him just as a woman at the well does. In the revelation of the truth of what he is. The Messiah. The God who holds the universe together. The God who became man and died and rose again for you. He sent Jesus. His one and only son, Jesus, so that we may live. We must repent from sin, turn away, and be born again. New, made new. 
When that happens, we will be able to worship in spirit and truth. Next, understand that God wants us to be men and women who really understand how wonderful he is. Be in his word. God wants us to stand at his feet and be amazed at who he is and adore him in his awesome majesty. We must be in his word to understand these things. Also, prepare yourself to worship with more than simply outward appearances. Prepare your hearts and minds for worship too. Finally, we must see that true worship is more than what happens on Sunday mornings at Bloomer Baptist Church. Everything we do may be an act of worship. Bow before the Lord, submit to him, adore him, worship him. A lot of people, if you've fallen asleep, listen to this. A lot of people fail to find true worship as they put so much effort into the outward appearance and performance, the show. That they fail to humbly submit, bow before and adore the Lord in spirit and in truth. Don't be that person. As you close, remember this. As we close, God wants his children to worship him spiritually through Jesus Christ and based on the truth he brings to our lives through him and the truth of his word. Worship him truly in spirit and in truth. Worship God with all you've got everywhere you go, wherever you find yourself out at and through whatever you are doing. Let's close in prayer and song now. Lord, we thank you, for you are enough. We thank you, Lord, for you are the great provider. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, and we thank you for true worship illustrations here. Lord, we thank you for your word, which gives us a better idea of who you are and how you want to be worshiped. Lord, help us to worship you that way every single day of our lives. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. All God's people said, amen.